By the end of this podcast, you'll learn how Man City comfortably tore Man United apart and what was the meaning behind Ten Hag's recent comments on his players. Welcome to The Knobcast, a podcast giving City and United fans their weekly fix of football analysis and debate with a focus on banter rather than bias. The Manchester derby has happened. Manchester City beating Man United 3-0 at Old Trafford. So obviously we are going to be discussing the game itself from a City perspective, from a United perspective. And we're also going to be touching on Ten Hag's very odd and, and in my opinion, worrying uh, comments about his uh, style of play and tactics. We'll also be answering our viewer and supporter questions from our Patreon uh, supporters. Um, it's going to be a good podcast. Gasky, as always, I'm joined by Gasky, Hello. Manchester United fan. You guys all know I'm a Man City fan. It's the Manchester Derby fallout. Gasky, are you yeah. depressed? I'm over it now. I've had, I've had a day to recover, <laughs> so I'm over it now. Okay, well, um, don't don't be too over it because I want your anger <laughs> and I want your... You know, I'm sure, I'm sure as, as I speak, I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, just before this, you know, the, the, the venom yeah. was coming out of your uh, mouth. So I'm hoping <laughs> for uh, plenty of that. So, uh, yes, as I say, I want to start by touching on the match before we talk <clears throat> about, you know, the, the Ten Hag yeah. uh, question. Um, I mean, Gasky, what, what were your sort of like th- thoughts just on the game <sighs> I, overall I thought, before we talk about yeah. specifically what went right, what went wrong? I thought it was like... Two comp- it was a similar game to the Brighton game early in the season. United came out the blocks brilliantly. The fans were behind him. I think Hoyland had about five goals running at the back of defence. And I thought, you know, what a great start to have in the derby. You know, I think I think he was Grealish most of us giving the ball away constantly. And the, I mean, everyone, you know, I think Walker made a mistake at one point as well. And they were causing these mistakes. It was going really well. Then City turned up a gear, as you would expect. City are not going to be on the back foot all game. And... Hoyland was caught napping defensively, gave away a penalty, very soft penalty to give away, went behind, and then they just crumbled after that, as they have done all season. As soon as they go behind in a game where they feel they should be taking a lead, because let's be fair, you need to take a lead in them situations against City. When you're on the front foot, you need to, you know, take the lead. But didn't happen. Then from that point on, after that penalty, they just crumbled. You know, they're losing their heads. You know, Amrabat started on phone for absolutely no reason. Nothing even happened. And he got himself booked, which might have something to do with him being subbed at halftime, which I think was the most ridiculous thing Tenar could have done. Because you put in McTominay there, just completely stopped any movement in that midfield. And it involved, and that's the situation why Ericsson ends up completely lost in games. Because I think two of them goals came from him not running back and defending. So he just loses his legs, where Amrabat does that two-man job with the legs allows Ericsson to get forward, allows Ericsson to get into good positions. But as soon as Amrabat went off, it just, to me, the midfield just don't have the legs in it. So from, in my opinion, so like the first 10 minutes, you say first 15 minutes, so like the, the first portion <laughs> well, of the game. Okay, the first, the first, the first half of the first, the first half. Sure. Or whatever you United want to were actually causing City some yeah. issues. Now, whether that was due to United, you know, forcing an issue or just City being a little bit sloppy, like I think Gavardiol a couple of times in that first five to 10 minutes uh, did, give the ball away a couple yeah. of times that led to um, it, was de- it was definitely a bit of both because I, I've not seen United press like that for a while in terms of like in uh, even the last few weeks yeah. just uh, just completely pushing at them and it was working you know and there was that chance I think it was when it was that really good build up play and then McTominay just didn't pass the ball and it was like and he just dribbled back to Edison it was like all you have to do is pass it and again this is these decision makings that is completely ruining the team 
to do good things than these these players that I'm not I'm not going to alienate anyone, but these players that are not good enough to play for Manchester United are the ones causing these issues. Because I thought Hoyland was brilliant in that first half. He was all over them, and he was you know trying to you know make something out of nothing. And these other players who are just not good enough were crap. Yeah, de- didn't de- help him out. Definitely that stuff like the fir- the first as you said the, the fir- yeah. first few moments like it was. The, these long balls over to Hoyle and using his frame, using his strength, get, getting yeah. the better of Diaz on occasion. It was causing City a lot of yeah. problems. But then, as you say, that sort of petered away. City grew into the game. Which, and- which is always going to happen. Like, instead of, I will never like be like, you know, oh, how have you let them back in? They're going to get back in. They're the best team in the world. But it only took them five minutes chances for, again, it's a sloppy goal. It's just... You know, it's it's Hoyland showing his age. He just he, he was snapping for about two seconds. We were still in the right place. Ended up dragging uh, Rodri back, giving away, giving away a simple penalty. Yeah, and it, it just just let, let's just because you brought it up, let's touch on that. It's a penalty, isn't it? No, it's a penalty. But the, I think people are frustrated because they'll they're going showing that, that you know oh, the Hoyland one on him against Arsenal. It's like the problem is they've corrected what they've done wrong, right? I think the frustration is. It's clear now that Hoyland should have had a penalty against Arsenal based on that decision. Sure. But then there was one in the second half on Haaland that wasn't given. Yeah, that was so that was more of a penalty. Issue. That was more. This is this is the problem. It's like you do, no one spoke about the one against Arsenal and it's not a penalty. Everyone's saying that a Roger one is definitely a penalty, which means the Hoyland one's a penalty. But then the Haaland one's a penalty. So I just honestly I don't understand it at all. It's a, it's a mess. But they won't come out and comment on it. So it's just what's the point. Yeah, I, I just even like Gary yeah. Neville on commentary, he was trying to justify not being a penalty. It's like I, I don't understand in what it, world. Like you can't you can try, but you can't give one and not the other because as soon as as soon as a player has put his arm around a player and pulling him down, that player that defender knows he's fucked up and he's out of position, and that's why he's had to make that movement. So Holland, uh, the Highland foul is definitely a penalty because he's put his arm around him because he's like I'm not in the right place there. Yeah, literally. So I'll try and I'll try because Rodri does go down easily because he's felt the arm go across him. So of course he is. Yeah. It, that, and that's the thing. If you make contact in the box, you're always at risk of yeah. doing that. And he's well within his right. If he sees a player yeah. hooking him, stopping his of run, he is. he's, he's in his right to go down. And there's some, there's some absolute retards online that I've seen that are, are going on about, um, oh, but he's not going to get to the ball. It's got nothing to do with yeah, it. Yeah, that is, that is so irrelevant. Yeah. Absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, okay, if he, if he smashed it into the crowd and then threw himself over someone, then yeah. But he hasn't. He's gone to just make the movement into the box. And then someone's pulled him back. So, yeah. It's a penalty. Exactly. Now, e- even before kickoff, there were big question marks about Manchester United's defence in particular. Yeah. Uh, the main one being you know, Lindelof, who's a right-footed centre-back, playing at left-back for most of the game, and Johnny yeah. Evans and Maguire starting in a game where Varane is on the bench. Yeah, but that's got to be something to do with... Uh, obviously, I know Ten Hag come out and say it's tactics. That's just, that's just him covering his own back. It isn't. It's injuries. Varane plays over Johnny Evans no matter what. Why didn't he say injuries then? Hmm? Why didn't he say injuries then? Because I don't know what, honestly, I do not know what Ten Hag's going through his head at the moment because he's coming out of absolute bollocks at the moment and I really don't understand why. Because you cannot tell me that Johnny Evans plays over Varane on tactics. For what reason? Yeah. Well, well, what, yes. in, in, any, in any world, what reason does Evans start over Varane? In, what is he better than him at that can help? Yeah. It, yeah. No, well, it's not 2013 nothing. anymore, so nothing. No, exactly. Nothing. So really... There's not even not even looking at you know statistics or the fact that Varane's won Champions League and all that rubbish and he's a better player. There's genuine nothing. He's yeah. not he's not a better he's not a better man marker. He's not a better you know sweeper nor anything. He's just not better at all. So I will never understand why he made them comments. Yeah, and and City obviously made the most of that in terms of they clearly identified earlier. There were lots of question marks about you know whether Doku would start to attack 
whoever was the fullback uh, for United. He didn't even really need to uh, start to for, for that to be exploited. All yeah. three goals. Uh, well, sorry, sorry. Okay. All three. Well, all, all three of City's post. all three of City's best yeah. chances came that da- well they 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 certainly ended on City's right hand side United's left they came, they came down the left and ended on the right didn't they yeah exactly so, so you know in the in the it, when it was nil nil I think of the the Rodri switch to Walker and then Walker heads it back for Foden to head on to and Onana really weird save and then he just about bungs it out but that's just like oh, was, that, of- was that the one that ended up at his feet or something and Taller should have tapped in. Yeah, yeah, but no, oh, no, somehow no, managed yeah. to scramble away. But that, that was just like yeah. poor from Lindelof just to not realise he, he he's got Walker was, running in behind no, him. That, I, I remember that because I remember thinking to myself, that is exactly the same as the goals that Bernardo Silva scored when Shaw did it. He just he yeah. stepped and there's no one behind me and he tapped in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, and that was years ago and they're still doing it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a mess. Obviously, the uh, you know the the chance at the end of the first half, the Holland head of that came from your Holland ho- ho- heading heading from that right. Good save. Yeah, Holland should do better. We'll yeah. get onto that. But oh, no, I had a good game. I thought to be fair, yeah. anyone in the United pitch, surprisingly, he had a good game. And then the the goal, at the start of the second half again, yeah. that came from United's right, and the go- the final goal that came from yeah. United's uh, sorry, United's but left, City's right. People will look at the defenders, but both goals came from Ericsson not tracking his man. Ericsson didn't track his man, so Lindelof had to step in, or Evans had to step in and left a massive gaping hole at the back. And that's where it comes from. And that's because the legs have been removed when Amrabat was subbed off. And Grealish and Bernardo, for me, were the two best players uh, on the pitch. It was obviously Grealish on the left wing and then Bernardo constantly shifting over to the left. That overload in that left side just had him all over the place. Yeah, Yeah. it it destroyed Dallow. And when you've got Bruno Fernandes as your your winger, who's traditionally a 10, he's he's obviously not as naturally suited to tracking back. It leaves... Dallow isolated over and over and over again. And actually like the second goal that came about because Dallow moved up the pitch and it was Bruno Fernandes defending at right back and he's got both Grealish and Bernardo on him. Yeah. And then you've got the the most clinical football, you know, striker that football seen statistically unmarked yeah. at the back post. At back post. And he's not going to miss two of them, is he? So. Yeah. I, so yeah. I, I don't really understand what no. United were, which is, was, which is doing from a defensive standpoint. It just, it just, it it crumbled when again I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it, I'm about coming off change the game but not having a number six who will literally win the ball and go and mark players and go and run at players to win the ball back and pressure them changes it because I'll, I'll I'll keep repeating him McTominay marks grass he doesn't help at all in that position so why on earth he puts him there I've no idea why he comes off for him you know, obviously, you know, there was no Casemiro on the bench or anything, so he couldn't take Amrabat off for another one. So someone's going to have to play there. But why take him off at all? Just because he's on the yellow card? I'm sorry, but you're against City, you're going to have to risk it. Mm. You're going to have to risk him on the yellow card and tell him to just behave himself. It's all you can do. Yeah, it obviously was a very good game from City. You know, so many standout performances. Edison's distribution was fantastic. Uh, Gavardiol, apart from those opening few minutes, absolutely unreal footballer. Rodri and Stones in the midfield. Uh, Foden, I thought, was really good, especially without the ball. Uh, Holton, maybe could have scored four, but still had a good game. As I say, for me, the best players were Grealish um, and Bernardo attacking that left-hand side. But at the same time, United did make it so easy for City because I feel like City, you know, Pep obviously started Grealish over Doku because, you know, in a big away game, he wanted to prioritise you know, re- retaining the ball rather than potentially losing it on a dribble. Um, but City were able to go a bit more, you know, aggressive than maybe they would have planned because as I say, United basically just like 
allows them to with like, all, like all, every, all the space. Like every game against City, they just don't. They just, again, they don't have them players to press them in centre. Yeah. You know? And it, that's why it's wasted when Bruno Fernandes plays that wide because he, he wasn't, you don't have a right winger that's going to press in the middle, you know? Mm. And Bruno will press them and put him out wide is a waste. Yeah. And, and why, why, why was Bruno out wide? Why, why was Ericsson? I don't know why he does it. Why, why would you not start your strongest lineup with players in the positions they know? Why would you not put Rashford, Hoyland and Anthony as your front three to start with? Because, you know, Anthony is your only right winger who plays right wing and it will also track back, right? Well, and then put Bruno at 10 in that position with, if you want to play, I mean, I'm about Tom and if you want to do that, go for it. Why is Mount on the bench when you've just signed him for 50 million pounds? He's just got, he's just got Van der Beek written all over it again. For absolutely no reason. Why would you not do that? Because he's, he does exactly what Tom does, Mount, but better. So why would you not play him? Yeah, just, it, I, it, I just don't understand what these managers are doing, to be honest. Yeah. I really don't understand. They're all doing it. This is the question, like what, what is going on? Is it is it even the manager even involved in these signings and just being told to the media go and say what you want because we're signing these players? It is very I don't odd. Have a clue. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, very odd. You know, Ericsson and Amrabat in the double pivot, McTominay ahead of them, Bruno Fernandez a ten like, out wide, just like, so like bizarre. Ericsson, Ericsson coming off the bench against when you need when you need goals and a team starting pressing back, he's brilliant. It's the perfect substitution. He's digging deep passes work really well. Like he already made that beautiful pass to Rashford, almost got a goal back. And he, when as soon as you can build that space for him, he's great. But you can't play him in big games against at the start because by the seventieth minute he's done, mm. and he needs to come off. So you might as well keep him on the bench. I just, I just don't understand what your decision is making. Yeah, at all. I just don't know. And we'll we'll explore that in more in more detail after we sort of like finish with our match analysis. Because I've, I've got a lot to say mm. about uh, Ten Hag and his weird decision making. Uh, from a United perspective, Gasky, who did you think? Who were you most impressed with from a City perspective? Um. To pick out one, one or two that, star performers, that, that left side, that left side with Grealish, uh, Grealish and Bernardo, I thought they were just dominating that side. And I thought what's going to have to happen is Anthony's going to have to come on at half time because he will track back and he will cover and he will give you that extra, you know, so they don't outnumber him. But he didn't. <laughs> he took Amrabat off, which was like, why? And put McTominay back in that position, which he can't do. So, mm. but yeah, that, that, I thought that left side, that left side were brilliant. Yeah, it was a really important game for Grealish. He obviously played really well against young boys. There's been a lot of noise about him, and you know, you know, especially with Docker coming in being really entertaining. Lots of City fans saying, "Oh, you know, Doc, start Docker all the time." You know, Grealish isn't actually that good. A lot of some some people disrespecting Grealish, um, saying, "Oh, he wasn't good at the start of the season," and he he wasn't. But he was. He also had a bit of an injury and hadn't got back to full fitness and. And sharpness we've seen against young boys where he was fantastic and now against Old Trafford, Old Trafford for me he was a man of the match he definitely uh, should have had a, an assist or two as well he could have had a goal he was a bit unlucky yeah. Onana doing some good saves and it's just so good to see that he's he seems to be uh, back to uh, his best um, so long may it continue yeah. um, a lot, Bernardo Silva was obviously given the man of the match award uh, Gasky, how important was he today for how, like, how uh, today? How important was he in in the? In the uh, yeah, I'm reliving it in 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 the derby. Well, yeah, he's for someone who played God knows how many years at right wing and just being dumped in. Well, I don't even know. To be honest with you, I don't even know what position it is. Eight point five is it or something? I don't know. Yeah, don't eight, know eight, ten, eight, ten nine. hybrids. It's it's, it's nine. not nine because nine is a striker, but yeah. nine's like between eight and ten, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he plays that role perfectly. Like you know, he'll track back, he'll go forward, he'll remove players from the game with his quick feet, 
And he just his link up play from both sides is brilliant. He's a very important player, and I think he's one that City will struggle to keep hold of if he does want to leave and go and be a more, you know, a more important player at another team. And to replace, really, it's very, very difficult for him. At what point do we start throwing him into the sort of all-timer conversation? Not in terms what of the best. What, well, what j- yeah. just from a Premier League midfielder standpoint. Oh, I at what would, point do we I start putting him in that conversation? I would say if if, he can, if the longevity continues, if he stays, then he's going to be. I think you could have the conversations where obviously it was not near David Silver's quality, but Wait, I'm, not, I'm not saying the best, but I'm sort of saying no, you know, like yeah, top he's, ten he's, in Premier League history, for example. Yeah, exactly. He'll, I mean, he's not. He wouldn't be far behind Silver if he stayed at City for a few more years. I would say he's he's the same style player and he's just as good, really. But yeah, I he's he's fantastic. Yeah, he's very unique as well. You know, he can play yeah. on the right, he can play at eight, he can play at ten, he can play at six, he can s- s- sometimes play but at left goal. back. But <laughs> it's just, it, yeah, he, it, it's so important. It was so important for us to keep holding him. You saw it in the post-match interviews. You yeah. know, both uh, like Holland said, uh, "I love you," like Pep does, and then Pep came out and said, "Yeah, we love Bernardo." So it's, I mean, but uh, next season he's got a fifty million pound release clause it's just allegedly thing one must snap them up that though you think so but, a lot of teams would but allegedly he only wants Barcelona and Barca yeah. can't even afford to well, sign Cancelo on a, exactly, to buy. a new stadium aren't they? they're just throwing all the money at that so yeah so it, it, who knows maybe he will stay yeah. a little bit longer but he is definitely a, a unique football and so important and that, and that was another like absentee stuff like a stages of this season people talking about you know the Rodri absence which is fine but Bernardo was also uh, a big miss. Yeah. Um, as was John Stones. I don't know if you've seen the clip, Gasky, but there was a United fan, I think, on the United stand trying to say that Stones is is the weak link at Man City. And he's a weakness <laughs> let's at be, Man City. Let's be fair. Do City have a weakness? City's only weakness is if something doesn't one doesn't play. That's the only weakness. Well, yeah, exactly. He, he was trying so, to argue that he was a bit of a liability. And he's not. No, he's not, is he? He's not, he's not as good. He's not as good as a defender as Diaz, for example, but he's better on the ball than Diaz. Yeah, and he was. So, I mean, he was popping up at left wing sometimes. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's. I think people are struggling to deal with the fact that Pep's playing football away that no one's ever seen before, and people are still trying to, you know, analyze it with a norm, you know, like a how everyone else manages games. But you can't because it's so unique that you're going to have to watch him for four or five years till you realize exactly how to analyze it because it's so unique. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just think, think of some of the other City performances. Edison was fantastic. Uh, we talked about his distribution. Um, really, really good save. He, he yeah. sort of like over the last season or so, he sort of have, has been adding these wonder saves to his uh, uh, repertoire, yeah. especially in the Champions League last season. He was making save after yeah, save I mean, after considering, save. Considering he doesn't, he doesn't usually have to do many. You always have to be relied upon, and he he, was, he has been really the last few last few games. Yeah, when needed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, lots to talk about Foden in the game as well. So, you know, some people think that he was like, wasn't that good. I, I don't know where that came from. I thought he was really, really good. Uh, what, what, what did you make of Foden's performance? He was, Gasky. he was brilliant. I think, I think they were all, everyone was brilliant really, but thought, yeah, Foden was very good as well. Him and it, I think him and him and Bernardo just show that it's very difficult to even mark these type of players that just, you don't know where they're going to pop up. And, you, it's, it's where you have to kind of mark an area of the pitch and your area is that because you can't follow them. Mm. You can't follow them because, you know, this game, you get other players from the past and stuff where you know what type of game they're going to play and where they're going to pop up and you can mark, mark them out of the game if, if, you're good, if you're good at it. But with them two, you just 
you know, they could literally just swap sides. I think both both ends you could swap like the front four to different positions and they'd still be more productive as they are as mm. they were. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's just incredible what they can do. Yeah. Team. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and we've I've t- touched on Holland as well. Should have scored more and I did a couple of good saves, but still got a, uh, still got his brace. And what I loved about like the third goal, especially Gasky is he's on a hat trick at Old Trafford. He could definitely, if he wanted to for that third he goal, that. Yeah. he could definitely try to, you know, put, position himself to a, to a point where he beats the man and then takes a shot himself. Cause it's the 80th minute. Like the game's won by that point. Yeah. But instead he looks up and he finds the run of Foden who then taps it in. I just love that yeah. mentality. From like a that, teamwork perspective. Exactly. That's what, that's the difference between being a world, you could be a world-class striker or a world-class footballer and being a world-class footballer is more important. Mm. And that, as I say, that, that mentality as well, not caring about the goals, caring about, no. against what he said in the, the interview, team. it's like, oh, Anana did some good saves to deny your hatchet because I, I don't care. The team won. That's all I care about. That's oh, yeah, I, yeah. I just love that. Uh, so yeah, so that, that that was the actual match itself. Now let's talk about, um, we'll, we'll still t- touch on the match before we get directly into Ten Hag's comments so let's talk about like like those those weird decisions uh, that he made so he talked about yeah. the lineup already which was weird he confirmed that Varane Regulon it wasn't to do with injury I mean the Regulon literally which, came which on I, which I don't understand you're playing players out of position against the best team in the world as much as as much as you might think oh Regulon's a risky position to put a player to put in and say he's still better fullback than Lindelof so yeah. why would you not play him over him yeah, it, you're, you're gonna have to play the, your, be, your best players in each position. Yeah, it's the only thing you can do. And then even even Maguire and Evans instead of Varane, who you know has got his own deficiencies, but as a defender, he's a tier above. Yeah, he's said, multiple though, tiers above. He ticks the boxes more than Evans does. So why on earth would you? Especially, when, it's not like they've. It's not like Maguire and Evans have. If Maguire and Evans have played like together for the last month. And they played quite well. I'd be like, fair enough, Rams back from injury, but they've played quite well. We'll stick them together still. But the 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 stumbled past Copenhagen, they stumbled past Sheffield United. So it's not like, you know, oh, it's a, a rock solid centre back partnership that's come out of nowhere. No, as soon as Rams fit again, you put him in. You, t- you just, just thought so. You would you would think so. I think any other manager would have done that. But I just honestly, I mean, I'll I try and back managers as much as possible, but I honestly don't know what to say about him at the moment. Yeah. Some of the decisions he's making. We've uh, we've touched on Fernandez on the wing. That was weird. You've covered the Amrabat going off. It, it doesn't matter if you're on the yellow. I mean, we, we even like, if you look at the, uh, you know, the City Arsenal game where Kovacic should have been sent off, yeah. you know, multiple times. He was, but, you, you, you were probably calling for him to be sold off, but you played another about five minutes. Yeah. Before he went off. And that was because like Pep real, you know, appreciated and understood that, well, you know, as as, moronic as he's been I sort of need him on the pitch to be able to do what I want to do in this game exactly so but when you when you're playing against City and the, like we, we think we said last week the most important position is number six on the football pitch because that's the connects the dots if that position goes because when Tomini can't do it right the, the whole team crumbles which he did second half it just there was no team there it was a mess that's because Amrabat went off and couldn't, you know, wasn't cutting passes out or trying to cut passes out yeah. and delay them. And then you're left in a situation so, where you've got no defensive midfielder on the pitch no, and your midfield is McTominay, Ericsson and Mason yeah. Mount. Exactly, which is going to do nothing. But but you can't treat McTominay as a six because you can't do it. We saw, we saw McFred forgotten us how many years. Neither of them could do it. Yeah. So why on earth is he still doing it? I, I don't know. No, I, I, I've no idea. Did not understand the tactics. We've talked about his in-game management before. I'm... Um, and, and honestly, Gasky, I've, I mean, I've already, he, 
Sorry, go on. Do you know what though? He actually he actually admitted it this time around that his tactics were wrong, right? And that's the first time he's done it, rather than just avoid the question. So well, that's a start. But understand, you need to play your best players. This is what I will never understand with certain managers: just play your best lineup. If if a player is fit enough to be on the bench, they should be fit enough to start. That's how I have always looked at it. So you start them. Yeah. Simple as that. And if you take them off, you know, after fifty minutes, then so be it. But at least you start yeah. with them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now. We've spoken numerous times on this podcast about how the injuries are the reason why Ten Hag's foot doesn't have an identity yet. This is the reason why we haven't yet seen that fluid Ajax style yet. You know, that that possession-based yeah, yeah. football because, you know, there's been no Martinez, there's been uh, no Luke Shaw, you know, injuries in and around the pitch in other areas. That's the reason why it hasn't quite clicked yet. And I think that, uh, it, w- w- I think it's fair enough to say that, Gasky, you're sort of assuming that, you know, when everyone's fully fit in, in, a, in a month or so's time, then we would start to see the makings of yeah. that style of my, play. My thought, my thought was always, with the amount of injuries they've got across every single position, pretty much, that when the squad's fully fit and you can get a consistent lineup out every week, then we'll be in a position where we can start to see them grow as a team. Yeah, and as I say, if, if I was a United fan, I'd be banking on that. But like, right, we're suffering now, but long term. Exactly, but that, because you look at last season where they had that period, I think it was, it was after the City game last season, wasn't it, when they lost at the Etihad, that they went on a mad meet and run and they were playing brilliant football over that time. Until yeah. I think they lost against Villa like early in the year or something like that. And then, you know, it was a bit iffy then. But in that period, they were great and they were, they were beating teams comfortably and they were playing really well and Rashford was just on a scoring run after the World Cup as well. And then injuries hit and it kind of went a bit of a, it's gone a bit of a mess this season. You think, oh, but last season we were okay. I think it's just going to, you know, the injuries have caught up against them. Yeah. And we can point to Pep's first season where, look, it didn't work first season, but then he got his players in and it worked. We can point to Klopp's first season again, didn't work initially, but then he got his players in. So we're assumed, we assumed, I think it's fair to say we both assumed and most fans assumed that this was the vision of Ten Hag. However, a mental interview, in my opinion, a mental interview happened yesterday, like post-match to, to a Dutch TV channel, I think. So I was like, like a, a paraphrase it. So uh, he was asked, when will you be able to play that style of football with United as he did with Ajax? And he said, never, we will never play that football. Those were different players. That's not why I came here. We're playing different football than that Ajax because I have to, because I can't play the same way the players decide how you play. That is mental, right? That that yes. is that is insane because that for me, no, there is no, there is no hope because he's he's admit no. he's admitting that, that that to me. And I'm trying without sounding like I'm defending him, because I'm not because coming out saying that is basically you saying that you haven't got the resources because it is to do with that because. He's again, he's another manager on a list where he has a list of players that all get linked with and he doesn't get any of them and doesn't help. And he's having to adapt to what he's got. But when you look at managers, for example, like like Deserby at Brighton, he's got they're none of his players and he's got them playing the way he wants to play. Also, you know? I'm, 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 that's the difference between good managers, though. I'm just going to disagree with you slightly because he, he, has, he has been given a lot of... He's been given yeah. Anthony. He's been given oh, no, Onana, no, no. Martinez, Malassia, uh, Ericsson, players who have this Ajax DNA or literally were from his Ajax team yeah. or players who can play that way, as I say, with, you know, uh, from the Dutch league, you know, Ericsson with those Ajax uh, connections. 
So he's bringing in all these players, we assumed, to play this Ajax style of football because you're signing your players from Ajax, so he must be trying to go towards that. He's, yeah. you know, Frankie de Jong was the player he was so desperate to get, you know, the player you might associate the most with that style of football. And now, conversely, he's saying, well, actually, no, we can't play that style of football. <laughs> Mate, no Man United manager <clears throat> since Fergie has had as much of a say in the transfers than you have. There is no yeah. way that Joel Glazer is sitting there going, oh yeah, I really want M- Malassia from Feyenoord or wherever he yeah. went from. I, I really yeah. want Martinez from Ajax. These are his players that spashing out yeah. 80 million on Anthony. That is your player to play that style of football. And now he's, and now seemingly I, I, I actually can't figure out what he's talking no. about. No, yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree that he has had the most say because these, these are players he's signing that are his players. Like no other managers have had that because again, all the managers that have been signed, all the managers that they've had United since Fergie have been past it in a way where it's like, they're not signing style players. They're just signing players for the sake of players. Whereas, you know, he's getting, yeah, like you say, he's getting the players to play his way. And now he said that, only thing I can think of is he's going, I, it's not enough that I'm not getting anything else. I'm just going to have to figure it out as I go along now. But it's like, well, you might as well quit then. If, you, if you've been told, if you've been told when you get the job that this is what you're getting and, you're, and in the second season, you, again, like every other United manager, you haven't got what you've wanted, then you might as well step away because it's like, right, someone else is going to have to deal with them because if I can't, if I can't push my philosophy on this team, then what's the point of managing them? Yeah. And look, there's not, maybe we were wrong. Maybe I was wrong, you know, assuming that Ten Hag came here to want to play Ajax football because uh, I've I've read like some stuff like pieces on, on him recently and people analyze him as more of an Ancelotti sort of manager where he doesn't really have a, 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 an, an ideology in the same way that, you know, Guardiola or, or Klopp have where, where it's, it's deep rooted in certain principles. Ten Hag is much more adaptable, flexible. He works with what he's got. Uh, this is according to their yeah. analysis, which is fine. That That's absolutely fine, fine to, to have that. But it is, it is so untrue to suggest that Ten Hag didn't come to United and didn't try to play that Ajax football initially. If you remember the first two games of his tenure, where he, he, tried, I, he tried to do it, he didn't work. And we saw De Gea trying to play out from the back. We tried, and we and we saw him trying to play Ericsson as a false nine or, or as like a a, a, a six. Ericsson, and, basically, he, try, he tried to use he tried to use De Gea as Onana and Ericsson as De Jong. What can I do with this? And it went completely wrong, and he binned it off yeah. straight away. So, so he clearly, he clearly, in my opinion, clearly did come here to try to play that. And, well, let's be fair, right? If you if you've just been if you've just won four out of five league titles or whatever with a team, and you've built this squad. As soon as you go to a new club, you're going to do that. Like it makes sense to do that. But and he binned it off within two games, so but, he but, knew and, he and hasn't and, got the and space. And I, I agree. I that that that's fine. But again, that that's at odds with what he says here because he says um, this is not why I came here. So he's saying that he's saying here that his original yeah. plan was never to play like that, which is bollocks. Because as we've just established, the, well, games, the games against Brighton and Brentford, it. when it was a, a disaster because, you know, De Gea yeah. isn't Onana and as you say, Eriksen isn't fucking Frankie De Jong or whatever. Um, and Maguire isn't De Litt, Um it, it went terribly, but it but clearly that what that was the idea. And yeah. again, if he wants to be, if he, if we let's put those two games to one side, pretend, pretend they didn't happen. Let's again, for argument's sake, say, okay, so he, let's assume he is being pragmatic, flexible. He doesn't, 
have to play or even want to play this Ajax style of football, then why are you signing Anthony and Martinez yeah, and Onana and Eriksson? If your way is not to play the Ajax football, I'm pretty sure you can go and get bigger names than that or, or you know, better football. Or more appropriate because, footballers. Because there would have been all, like I'm not even looking at the value I'm not looking at the transfer fee of Anthony because that's the club more than Ten Hag sure. you know if let's be fair if United had a sporting director and a competent thing Anthony would have been 30 million 35 million we know this but I'm pretty sure you could have looked at other right wingers and got someone a hundred times better who offers so much more than Anthony if you're getting Anthony then you're getting you're. I think he's got him to do the work rate part right which is fine but there would have been better players out there to offer more a right wing centre back. You've got you got a very short centre back who because a ball playing centre back. Fine, I'm pretty sure there's better ones out there than that. Because you've gone to Ajax to get them, there must be like you said, there must be a reason why out of everyone. Is it because there's no players don't want to join United at the moment? These better players, and this is the best you can get is players who want to. Is he as he come in to actually, you know, get rid of these sour toxic toxicity in the squad? Because maybe, because in the past he has been a manager to kind of alienate players because the arseholes pretty much, you know, mm. and they're affecting the squad. I don't know. But coming out in public and saying these things is a bit, it's just dangerous game. And you've kind it's, of, you, you know, you kind of, if the, player, if the players see that, I'd be like, so what are we doing then? Exactly. It, it's, yeah. it's insane to me. Like, so that seems to suggest that, okay, so what he's doing right now, you know, the more counter-attacking, transitional, direct football, that is what he wants to do. So why would you sign Anthony who can't do that? That's not no. his That's not his game exactly. plan. Why would you sign Onana, a ball-playing player, if all you want to do is go direct and be transitional? Why bother? What's the point? Um, exactly. And then you sign the likes of Casemiro and Mason Mount, who are, again, total opposite players yeah. In terms of that, that philosophy, it, from, if I was in, again, I, I'm, I'm not. Ten Hag shouldn't be sacked because sacking wouldn't do anything, but because you know that he still have all the squad issues, even worse squad issues now that I don't even know what the squad's going towards. But for me, this is like it's almost like where is the hope? Where is the what's yeah. the future? What's the aim? See, what's the point? Me personally, I think United will need. I might backtrack on some of my comments I made in past weeks there, but I don't care. That's <laughs> but fine. I think, I think um, what you know, what the club need is if if these things about Sir Jim Rackley coming in are true about him, you know, be taking over a sporting, you know, the sporting side of things. I think the whole. I think we need to get rid of this kind of favoritism attitude. Because if, if you look at if you look at Tottenham, for example, right this season they had a great start to the season. We won't say that the like they're up in you know top four races and things like that because it's very early. But um, Postecoglou is allowed to come in. He's binned off the captain and the goalkeeper. Happy to completely just put him on the bench straight away within the first season. Um, he has changed three of the back four. Well, I played Poro came last season, but you know, but he's changed through the back four and his midfield's completely different. He has he has dumped in players to play what he wants to do. And that's what United's needed, because that's what all these other managers are doing. But we've seen these so many players in this United squad that have gone through three or four managers. It's not I think this attachment to these players and oh, he's not bad, we'll keep him, is because they're not being allowed to just dismantle it. That's what he needs. He needs sport sporting people above to dismantle the team and be like, right, for example, Dillo, he ain't good enough. We'll get someone else in. And these players where people go, oh, what's the point? He's half decent. Half decent is not United. It's not good enough. Like, it needs a complete dismantle. Yeah. And it's not happening. It's not happening. Um, 
yeah, as I say, if I was an United fan, I'd be very concerned because I don't know what they're working towards anymore. I thought the point of bringing in Ten Hag was to play that style of football. He's come out and said, well, actually, yeah. no. So See, I think I've, I think I everyone know. thought Ten Hag coming in was to give United, like, because like we say, though, over the last few years, United have had no identity of what football they're going to play. Ten Hag's come in, signed players. Is there an identity here now? And now he's saying that's not what we're doing. It's like, right, so what we're we doing then? <laughs> that's the that's the question that you get from it, isn't yeah. it? But I don't. I feel like if I don't know. for me again, if I was a United fan, for me that's like strike one because that yeah. that is a terrible thing to say in my opinion. And if there was a better manager out there, the only reason to keep him, in my opinion, now if I was a United fan, is because it won't solve anything because there's no one. First of all, there's no one else really out there. But secondly, because of all the because you still got players left over from Louis Van Gaal, um, you know. Yeah. So it would just be adding to the chaos. Just- that's what I mean. Like these, so you might as well stick it, with it. Exactly. Exactly. It's like you've that you're kind of halfway there, and without obviously, but I'm not playing. I'm not going to blame ownership or anything like that. But it, it it needs three years on the trot of a manager giving getting what he wants over three years, and that's not happened since Fergie. And until that happens, I don't think there's going to there's no solution. Yeah. So it's a, it's not a good time. It's yeah. it's very worrying. Uh, well, very quickly, uh, j- just because I've, I've realised I've, I've got to go very, very soon, very imminently. So we're just going to do one question from Nobgas. We, we'll answer the rest next week. So apologies for that, chaps. You didn't what, You didn't have anything else to say on the Manchester no, Derby? No, or, no, yeah, that, was, that was, uh, I put everything out of it. It's fine. So Will, just it's just about uh, City United. So I thought I'd pick this one. Will asks, uh, kind of a two-parter, right now, Rodri is at his peak. So if you took a peak Michael Carrick and swapped him in at City, do City get better? Or worse, if so, by how much? And the second question: If the answer is City gets slightly worse slash better, was Carrick born to the wrong generation? As nowadays, it feels like every team plays with a six. Uh, I mean, Rodri's for me is better. I, I I like Michael Carrick a lot. Very underrated, but I'm personally saying Rodri's the better player. The di- yeah, I think so. The the diff they the play kind of differently in a, a little bit. Like Rodri's more a holding midfielder. Carrick played a similar role, but Carrick was more. Um, it was more of an forward. orchestrator from deep yeah, as well, wasn't yeah, it? Ex- yeah, exactly. Like he would, he would, he worked so well in the Champions League because he'd just slow teams down. He'd just completely, just, just, you know, completely stop them. But I think overall, Rodri's a better player. I don't think if, if Carrick played for, if Carrick played over Rodri, I don't think it would affect them too much. Mm. Doesn't mean that Carrick's a better player, but I just think like, yeah, I just think that Carrick came, Carrick, Carrick came early, to be fair. Like he came as that type of position before anyone else. There wasn't many them days. You get the odd one that was half decent. But I think nowadays it is like, it's much important thing as a player to sit in front of the back four because football's so attacking nowadays. That is requirement. Yeah. Um, it, I think he's, yeah, as we said, very different player to what Rodri was. Um, I feel like Rodri's a bit more dynamic, probably offers more from an offensive threat mm. as well. Probably better with the... Uh, Short pass. I mean, we've to be fair, we have seen Rodri switches are brilliant, but you associate Carrick with more of those uh, long balls. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, I'd say maybe Rodri's potentially a bit more defensively yeah. solid. That's what I mean. He is he is miles more because Carrick had scores next to him most of the time, and they both just did it together. Mm. Two, whereas obviously Rodri does that job as his own, on his own and yeah. has runners in front of him. So. Mm. So, do do you think that uh, if Rodri Rodri is the better player, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think City would, but it sounds weird. I don't think City would get worse without him with with Carrick in instead. But Rodri doesn't mean Rodri's not the better player. Rodri is the better player. Yeah, 
No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, guys, we'll answer more Patreon questions later. Say I've just got to shoot because my poor time management. That's Manchester Derby. Man City battering United 3-0. Comfortable win in the end. Deserved win. Uh, probably could have been worse, but for some really good Onana saves. Uh, the future looks bleak, to be honest, from a United perspective. Mainly uh, mainly from the comments rather than the performance. Uh, yeah. I, I'm still in shock uh, and I'm a City fan. Uh, so I can't really imagine no, what is, United fans... It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing to quite in public and say. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So, so bizarre. Um, Gasky, have you been Gasky? I have been. Well, I've been Nobbins, which is fantastic. Really? Uh, and it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Uh, guys, if you, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you have enjoyed it, then make sure to scroll up and click follow, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, so you never miss uh, one of these podcasts, uh, of which uh, we usually release two a week, if I can uh, sort myself out and actually remember to upload the second podcast. Um, good, good sign, that. Good sign. I know, right? <laughs> uh, but until next time, guys, have a lovely uh, rest of your day, evening, afternoon, whatever, and we'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye.